back to another episode of Hey Alexa. Today I have Dr. Richard Olberger, a PhD. He's aka Dr. Zero. He's also a podcast host of Richard Listens. He's a psychologist, therapist, um, who does telehealth and in person, and he's ready to help anyone that needs it. Um, He also is having a book come out on June 1st. And it's called The Zero Method, Awaken the Hero Within. And we're going to talk all about his, how he got to be Dr. Zero uh, and just his story and where his book and podcast and everything came from. Hi, Richard. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me here today and for having this platform. Well, thank you. And thank you for coming on and sharing. Um, I'd love to just talk to people about their own stories and I think we all have a story of some sort and it's good to be shared. Absolutely. Uh, The more I've learned to listen to my clients' stories, the more I learn about myself. Yeah. And uh, the more I draw upon uh, the stories of those that I meet, uh, the more it teaches me about life and and what I want to get out of it. So, um, and I saw that you help a lot of women. So I want to also talk about the women helping the men if they're in relationship <laughs> to them. So true all stories to be told. Yes. And I love it. Um, so like, just tell us a little bit about you, like how you decided to become a therapist and where your podcast and all that came to be. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like one of those things we were talking before we met today about kindergarten and school, a lot of thoughts this week about growing up in elementary school and I was a, a son of a, my mom was a school teacher starting in Harlem, New York. And um, so I was aware that it wasn't easy. I was aware she made a big journey and, and growing up with kids of such difference on the New York City, uh, New York, well, the suburbs I grew up in, but, the, you know, the diversity of the playground, the different socioeconomic statuses, kids coming from different countries and languages, like I was just very aware and sensitive to all of it. And I think that was always part of my nature, uh, that curiosity. Uh, And we moved, we moved to third grade to a different town, different people and different backgrounds. And uh, again, loving to go to other people's homes, loving to go to make dumplings at, uh, you know, Richard Kim's house or, you know, all the different families and styles, you know, and I still keep in touch with so many of the families that became like my family, community became family. So, uh, you know, I always thought I got the psychologist bug from my mom who became a guidance counselor. But really, in recent years, uh, since losing my father three years ago, I've been able to notice and observe what I got from him. And I think a lot of it came from, even though he never went to college and never, um, you know, he was a realtor and then a car salesman for the rest of his life. He loved sitting with people. He loved Mm -hmm. listening to people. I could see his demeanor on the phone. And uh, I could see the way he was with my friends growing up. And so I think a lot of that just showed me this kind of sense of compassion and connection before all else. Yeah. And, um, you know, it just happened to be that two or three of my friends had either lost parents growing up or been through some really tough things. So the fact that we had this environment of care and love and support and, and I just thought that became like this healing arena that we didn't really talk about. Uh, You know, I don't know what it was like for my friends, but we didn't talk about the sadness or the pain. We just played and had fun in that environment. And so that power, that therapeutic power 
of uh, connection and caring and, and to uplift those who've been through really difficult things. And so I think it set me out on, on how I wanted to do that and in what way and, um, you know, fumbled around in, in lots of different populations and every time going in being like, well, I'm not, you know, the imposter syndrome and I don't know what I yeah. can do here. And then every time you find yourself there, it's like John Kabat-Zinn says in his book, wherever you go, there you are. And all of a sudden you find yourself helping someone in a very basic way, which, you know, could really change their life and where they're at in their moment, just meeting someone right? where they are. And, and even, you know, some, I always laugh now, obviously, like I tell every intern or student I meet that I have clients now that have stayed with me for the 18 years since I was an intern. I mean, they left and they came back and they left and they came back, but this, this, this long-term relationship uh, of being able to help someone through their life and their stages and to help them become successful uh, is, is profoundly uplifting to me. And I know that, you know, my family, you know, they were pretty open that they had each reached out to therapists in their lives growing up yeah. in difficult times. So um, I'd say it's kind of like a family legacy of either receiving or giving therapy, but even that <laughs> idea that it's, just part of the human condition to help and be helped. I think that's awesome. And I love when you were talking in the beginning about like community and how you got to go to all these people, like your friends' houses and you just all like became a family. And I think that's so cool because like these kids nowadays growing up, it's not really always like that anymore. It can be in certain ways. It is and it isn't. So it just depends on the area. I guess it yeah, depends on, on your area. I mean, the one thing I really got from where I grew up is I could ride my bicycle at any of my friends' houses. We had these like hidden back routes to stay off main streets. Yeah. Uh, and I reminisce with a lot of dads I meet on a soccer field about these times mm-hmm. of these innocent times of, um, you know, see you by dinner, right? And there'd be that TV commercial, right? It's uh, five o'clock. Do you know where your children are, right? Like yeah. just a reminder, right? As long as you know that you're home for dinner and sundown, uh, you're okay. But yes, the, the fact that there was this implicit trust that the other homes were safe yeah, um, was a really big deal. And I can I continue to thank those other families uh, <laughs> as I stayed in touch as much as possible, just for that, just for that simple yeah. basic element you know, we could get fed if we went there, we could play and, um, you know, we could build, build relationships and, uh, safety. So that's a really big deal. And I know that's even that amount of getting that in some areas of Los Angeles or parts of the country. Um, a lot of parents don't feel they have that network or places to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, building those back up, you know, is really, really essential to me. And like kind of what you were saying is like my parents would always tell me stories of when they were growing up and they would go be with their friends all day or play basketball or baseball or whatever in the street. And it was just seemed like such a fun time. And it's like I never could do that. Like I would play in our backyard, but I was always having to be watched. Like you just had to watch to make sure everything was okay. Or um, like even coming home from school, like sometimes my for a few years I had the bus was dropped me right off at my house but then at one point it became where it was further away and it wasn't always safe to just to walk home by yourself and it could be down the street it might not have been far but like I was always getting picked up but it's like but back then you guys used to walk to school I don't know about you but like I know my parents used to walk to school 
a couple blocks or whatever it might be. Yeah, I mean, we certainly could have, and uh, you know, we certainly I never right, but you had an an instance of riding the bike and and having anybody stop me, you know, and and some of that comes with a level of of privilege and safety, you know, yeah. was, uh, moving to a higher socioeconomic uh, town. Uh, and that doesn't eliminate all kinds of problems, uh, or, you know, class issues or, you know, uh, ethnic issues or things of that nature. But it, it does certainly create this feeling of like, yeah, you could, if God forbid, you could go to a neighbor's house and, um, you know, knock on their door and, and probably be, you know, met with, you know, care. So, you know, that, yeah. that happens. Yeah. And I don't know if it's like that in those towns anymore, but, you know, certainly uh, the tendencies, you know, towards, you know, social media, moving towards online, moving away from going out and talking to your neighbor. And, and, yeah. and you know, we reflected when we, we met about COVID and, and actually the irony is like during COVID, like the first year almost we became my neighborhood thankfully like we would people were sitting outside their houses they were talking face to face they were right. stopping you know if, if I asked uh you know my daughter how was the walking the dog she'd say great I saw this one and I saw that one and we knew what was going on in their lives and it became very intimate yeah uh, this feeling of like just even my brain space of knowing that there's other people around you there's like kind of a protection shield like you're not living just in your little four wall place. Right. Or on your uh, little online or whatever. It was just very, it became more community again. Yeah. Well, from a trauma perspective, you know, like without like we go out, we kind of dissociate outward when we're not connected inward. And I don't know, like, obviously there's a million amazing things. We're having this conversation across the country because of technology. And I did right. so many Zoom podcasts and I'm able to help clients all over, uh, you know, the country at different times. Right. So there's such amazing things with technology's improvements, uh, including, uh, you know, improvements in suicide assessment and things like that. But right. The other side is like what's the chicken or the egg, right? Are we looking to go more out or more into our technology because we don't feel connected to ourselves and to those most closely around us? And uh... Custom Designs by Alexa is more than a custom product. Each one represents a story or memory. When you buy from us, you're creating something with a memory attached. Maybe it's the proud accomplishment of graduation, the token of a wonderful mother you are, a special Father's Day present, you are making a special memory or feeling that lasts a lifetime by buying with me. And because I want each of you to get to feel that, I'm offering you 10% off your next order with the code HEYALEXA. You know, what do we do about that? Yeah, it's true. Um, a question I have for you. So being a therapist, what was it like prior to COVID versus now COVID and after? Like, did you get more clients? Did you, like, how did that all? Um, it's an interesting question. Uh, you know, I don't know. We learn about ourselves a lot in, in <laughs> you know, as therapists, hopefully is evolving. I don't know that I fully had committed to, you know, being Dr. Zero. I don't know if I'd fully committed to my private practice. And um, so COVID, you know, 
canceled a part of my business. I had mobile business that, that went out and saw people or I saw athletes at schools. So, you know, it completely closed down. I think there was probably a point early in COVID where I had maybe six to eight clients, like, mm-hmm. you know, who was willing to hang on and, um, yeah. you know, and I remember those clients and, and it, and it, it's a hard thing because as therapists were supposed to develop this like big barrier and professional boundaries, but it was very tough because I remember, you know, like treating people from the broken concrete in my backyard. And yet you're still, they're not there for you. They're not there to be, you know, like, so the, the challenging nature of having clients Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden move away, like the, the constant disruption that was going on in their lives um, and in my life at the same time, it was yeah. like a very difficult parallel process. Like probably clinically, you don't want to be going through the exact same thing yeah. at the same time without doing your own work. So it was challenging, but it was also like incredibly inspiring um, that I got to see literally into people's homes, right? All of right. a sudden it's much more intimate and uh, getting to see different sides to them and getting to support them in different ways. In a lot of ways, it's stripped off, right? People are no longer in their suit and tie and coming to see me in Beverly Hills. Like, it, in a way, it got uh, a little bit beyond the surface real quick for everyone. Yeah. Everyone was affected. Everyone was impacted in some way, uh, in some fashion. Um, and so it changed a lot of things. It got, I went on an adventure into trying, like, some of these online therapy platforms and discovering what, what's that about. I started to do a lot more podcasts and reach a lot more people who had time to tell their story. And I was just uh, really impressed by so many people that were all of a sudden giving back to their local community in different way or finding ways to fill their time. Cause it became clear. You couldn't do your sport. You couldn't do your job. You know, certain things became like, it's just off the table. So it was this profound, you know, human social experiment. And also, right, everyone, a lot of people were impacted by losing people. And so did I see growth right away? I don't I don't know that it was that way. I'd say that now, yeah. um, like we were talking about earlier, that things have kind of settled. It seems like people are asking for more help, particularly like the healthcare yeah. professions. A lot of people put their mom hat, dad hat, Zoom teacher, uh, do, you know, multitasking roles, um, you know, healthcare profession, working extra hours, take one for the team. A lot of people did that. And now I think they're noticing burnout and they're noticing like, whoa, yeah. all of a sudden there's all these people coming back to the hospital for other health. And the demand is like, yeah. Like they never they never stopped and took care of themselves. So I think it's confusing. So I am getting a lot more calls now. And yeah. uh, you know, I hopefully hopefully the book is coming right on time as a resource for those who can't make it into my office. Um, yeah. Um before we go into that, because I want to talk about your book. Um, the other thing that I know too is like what you were just saying about hospitals are now getting like an influx of just other things like the normal what you go to a hospital for like even my doctor's office I have a newer doctor um for like insurance purposes my like primary care doctor and I like went in I wanted to go in because I think I I thought I had like a sinus infection whatever and like because of some of my symptoms they like wanted me to go to the hospital because it could be COVID but 
you wear a mask, but like, I shouldn't have to go to the hospital where there's going to be more sick people than what I need for what? Because it's just it. So I end up going to urgent care, but it's like, you're, you should just be able to take care of your patients still. Yeah. I mean, as, as a patient, I totally understand. And the, the difficulties that all of us have to go through with like getting an extra test and there's a lot more protocols yeah. now and, and, uh, and it's you know, scary too, because you don't know the symptoms always of COVID. Like it's, it's similar to a sinus infection or a cold or bronchitis. Like it's all these different things. So you like thinking, oh, you could just be getting your, norm- I mean, you could just be end up getting your normal, like sick. And then you're scared, like, oh my God, do I have COVID? And then now I have to think, do I, how many people could I have affected, even if it's not COVID? Yeah, it's, it's, it's like a never ending spiral. I'm sitting yeah. in session now that, you know, a lot of therapists haven't gone back to face to face. I'm sitting with someone. If they have a cough, like the whole time, right? <laughs> Is it safe? I have to, you know, make, you know, I do have to have an agreement in my space. There's still an agreement that people, um, you know, have to be vaccine vaccinated. I don't know if they're really enforcing that, but it's, yeah, that's the request that there's a, that's the standard here um, in the therapy suite. So, um, but it is conflicting, right? What happens to members of my men's group or other groups that, that don't have the vaccine? How do you handle that? How do you establish right. safety and trust and inclusion? Yeah. Uh, you know, and so it's, it, it's so challenging because it requires skill sets of ourselves of being really grounded and connected to see each human being and each scenario Right. And it's like, sometimes you just want a human being to be like, yeah, just, just see the patient. Right. You'll put a mask <laughs> on, like, like it's okay. Right. Some way of like, we, we can do, we can handle this. Yeah. Um, but when everyone is in the state of overwhelm or disassociation from trauma and when doctors are feeling threatened for their lives, cause they know an, another doctor that died from COVID it's like you're not even getting providers maybe that are fully in their own bodies. So right. this whole state of like, it's, it, it just continues uh, without doing your own work, without getting help. Right. Just because you're in the position of provider doesn't mean that you're not carrying around tons of anxiety. Yeah. Um, and no one can blame you. I mean, I wouldn't blame them, but it's important to get the help or to not be able to do your job because if you're in this state of anxiety or if you're whatever, you're not going to be able to help fully your patient. And that's kind of part of your job. I mean, the main part of your job is to help your patients. Yeah. So a lot of industries, I think just in my experience and kind of coming back out into the world in the last month, airlines look like they're understaffed restaurant, like all these businesses let go and downsized. And now the demand is there and hospitals, right? Like how do you handle all these patients coming in, the ERs are, yeah. are full now. So, you know, it presents a lot of new challenges for organizations to handle, right? School systems, are you able to put up protocols? Are you able to respond? <laughs> My kids went on, a, went on a school trip and came back, like half the kids had COVID. And every day there was like more and more positive tests. So how do you I, handle it? How do you maintain a learning yeah. environment? How do you maintain safety and yet, you know, keep teaching kids and not keep isolating them? So 
Um, I wish there were easy, quick answers. Um, yeah, and there just isn't. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I, we hope, right, that, that we're in, like, endemic, right, where it becomes normal, like the flu. Uh, but there's still that part right now, right? Like you said, that internal thing. Uh-oh, my back was hurting this week, and I was like, should I take a COVID test? My back hurts almost every week. But all of a sudden, I was like, <laughs> yeah. that's a symptom. That's it's so symptom. crazy. But anyway, <laughs> before I let you go, I want you to tell us a little bit about your podcast, Richard Listens, and then your new book coming out. Thank you. Yes, the Richard Listens podcast. Uh, I've had several different incarnations of it, but we focus on the awaken the hero within somewhere to the book. What's the journey? What's the story of transformation that uh, someone has gone through, whether it be from sports to transitioning out uh, to mental health, you know, those who mm -hmm. have stories of resilience, who've dealt with chronic pain, who've dealt with depression, uh, who've dealt with issues of uh, racism. So I want to hear the stories of, um, you know, those who've persevered, because like we talked about, the flip side to this isolation is that we have this medium of audio. We have this medium where we can reach people in their homes, in their cars. And I want them to hear stories of people that I am inspired by. It's a chance yeah. for me to sit down with those individuals that really I look up to and um so it's been it's been phenomenal and uh we've had authors we've had you know figure skaters uh who turned phds in clinical psychology we've had basketball players turned authors uh those who share their stories you know about overcoming you know bipolar disorder um so I, I think it's like really refreshing and sobering sometimes when someone says hey me you know i'm also handling this and um you know i just hope to, that gives a little bit of you know if it yeah. gives excitement about a career direction or inspiration about taking care of yourself in a different and unique way then that's a way i like to give back and add value uh as far as the book uh, the zero method um it, you know is a is a nod to uh, my time on skid row when clients uh couldn't quite say my last name and mistook the o for a zero uh, on the uh, little post-it note appointment pad that we gave out, each session was written on like, that was all we could give out was like a little two by two piece of paper crumbled <laughs> up in their pocket. So, um, you know, they called me Dr. Zero on the paper, but it had this like, you know, mythical feeling of like every day kind of going down into the very challenging emotional yeah. uh, and physical place where people are in a lot of pain, a lot of homelessness, a lot of addiction, and it also was an opportunity for me while I was there to really hone my clinical skills. They really, the county really gave me training. I got to ride along with law enforcement. I got to help uh, literally walk clients down the street to get them in front of medical doctors. And so the nature of integrative health, of helping clients, helping one another, right? Some yeah. of the substance abuse groups, some of the ways in which I saw clients care for one another, was profound to me. And so that model, I really want to help through this book. There's exercise at the end of cha each chapter. So by getting a little bit deeper into looking at, we talked about your support system, your mentors, your self-care, your values, your mission, your purpose. Where do you want to get yourself to and how can we get you there so that you're not in the same place a year from now that you are right now, no matter how difficult it may be, because sometimes the most challenging places, the most painful places, illuminate 
yeah. our deepest needs and passions and purpose. So um, we just don't always have the tools. So I hope that it's, you know, one little way or one tool that someone can give either to your female listeners, right? Or, you know, or male listeners, if you know someone in your life, you're like, I've told them a bunch of times, my buddy to go get help or talk to somebody. Yeah. Um, but they're afraid for whatever reason, stigma, money, time, energy, whatever. So hopefully this might get them a foot in the door. Oh, well, thank you so much for coming on. And before I let you go, I just want to play a quick game with you and to get to know you a little bit better. And then you can let us know where we can find you. Um, sure. So the first question is drink of choice. <laughs> Alcoholic or non? Either uh, or both. Your choice. <laughs> well, I'm a big um, Americano coffee drinker, uh, big Dunkin' Donuts coffee fan from the East Coast. I know you got some good stuff in the Midwest, so you'll tell me about that stuff someday. Uh, And if it's, uh, you know, I love a hazy citrus IPA on Memorial Day weekend. So I hope you get to have that this weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Um, Favorite movie, TV show or both? Movie or TV show? Uh, Or both. Oh, or both. (laughs) Wow. I love Modern Family. It's been uh, and and Survivor. So those are both been like family therapy exercises. That's (laughs) the only way I can get my whole family in the same room laughing and, uh, you know, deciding who they want to vote off. And uh, so I love that kind of that that snuggly uh, interaction I get with the family. And I've been watching Survivor since the beginning. So uh, who knows? Maybe one day I'll throw out an audition tape. But You should. Um, five, uh, words of advice to your younger self. Words of advice to my younger self. Um, trust who you are. It's okay to be sensitive and caring and, um, you don't have to change yourself to meet others expectations of what is cool or popular and it's okay to go slow and, um, it's okay to care. I love that. Um, five words to describe yourself. Wow. Um, <laughs> reflective. Um, pensive, sensitive. Loving and compassionate. Those are great ones. And the last one is, what does success mean to you? Success to me means reaching the greatest amount of people possible and helping them with every gift, resource, or tool that I have gifted to me or that I've acquired through my training or experience. Well, thank you. And now let us know where we can find you. Um, your book will already be out by the time this um, is airing. So where can we find your book and just your podcast and everything? Sure. Uh, the podcast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, most places you can find podcasts these days. Richard Listens. Uh, older versions with athletes are Richard Listens on sports. And uh, the book is on Amazon. The paperback will be out uh, June 1st, like you mentioned, and already available on Kindle and my website and everything else on social media instagram is richard listens so please reach out to me send me a dm love to get connected or 
come on podcasts and engage in meaningful discussions like this one. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And this was another episode and I'll talk to you guys next time. Bye.